Well, good morning, Real Life Church. How you guys doing? Uh, let me ask again. Good morning. Well, we are excited about this conversation today. We have some amazing singles who are trailblazing the way as it pertains to embracing singleness as a gift. Um, and, you know, we're in a new, new series called Locating Love. And if you've been a part of our, our services these last couple of weeks, my wife Stacy and I, we kicked this series off talking about the four types of love. Where we talked about storge, uh, the, the, the family type of bond, the philia, the, the brotherly, neighborly love, um, eros, which is the erotic type love. And then we landed on agape, which is the divine, unconditional love of God, which all of humanity needs. And then Pastor Dean and Amy, Amy uh, did an incredible job talking about a love that lasts. It was such a powerful message. Um, they opened up. They were vulnerable. They shared um, some struggles and some victories. So if you haven't got a chance, check out those message. And today, uh, we're going to be talking about a love that sustains. Can I get an amen? And we wanted to sit down with the singles in the church uh, because we believe that this is a very important conversation. Now, I believe that as a church, real life church, for us to be effective in our community and in our world, we can't just be a multi-ethnic, a multi-generational church. We also have to be a multi-dimensional church. In other words, we got to be able to connect with people in every area of their life, not just those who are married, not just those who are divorced, not just those who are widowed, not just those who are young, but we also have to be able to connect with the singles. Now, oftentimes, I, I, you know, I believe the church hasn't done the best job at embracing singles. We have often made singleness as an anomaly to be fixed as a, opposed to a gift to be embraced. We treated singles like a Rubik's Cube, a problem to solve. And you know, how old are you? 30? Oh, we need to fix this. Something's wrong with you. How much do you weigh? Oh, we need to get you to lose some weight. You know, we, we treated it like a problem to fix and singleness is not a problem. Can I get an amen? Tell your neighbor singleness is not a problem. Singleness is a gift. It is a gift to be embraced. Paul says that we are, uh, we can be devoted to God in our singleness, but when we are married, our interest is divided. And I believe both are gifts. It is a gift to be married. It is a gift to be single. However, if we put all this pressure on the singles to get married, what happens is they rush into a relationship, not necessarily ready and do more damage. And I believe that uh, singleness is important because it's in singleness we learn how to be separate, unique, and whole. I'm going to say that again. We learn how to be separate, unique, and whole. We find our purpose. We find our individuality because what makes a marriage work, if we desire marriage, is wholeness. Two whole people coming together, not completing each other, but complementing each other. Can I get an Amen. So, whether you are married or single, this conversation is for all of us. Tell your neighbor, it's for all of us. Because one of the things that I learned also about being married is you never stop growing in your separate, unique, and wholeness. I'm still growing as an individual, although I'm married to Stacy. She's still growing as an individual, although she's married to me. So, there's principles that we as a church can learn from the singles about embracing our separate, unique, and wholeness. In fact, some of our marriages may be a little bit frustrating because there's too, in, too much enmeshment going on. There's too much controlling. There's too much, I don't know my purpose. You make me happy. I don't know how to make me happy, so you make me happy. But when we have this, uh, this gift of singleness and we embrace it, 
we share our happiness it's not about making us happy we share our happiness we share our relationship with Jesus amen before we get started and I have the panels uh, the panelists introduce themselves I want to share a few statistics of why it is very important for us to embrace this conversation and lean in how to serve our singles better now according to a recent study uh, over at least a quarter of active churchgoers are single now that might, that might sound like, oh, that's pretty good. A fourth of the church uh, that, that, that is active and leading are singles. But when you compare it to the statistic that there is over 50% of singles in America between 18 to 49. In other words, we have more singles in the world than, are, than they are in the church. And I believe that if we are going to reach the world, then we have to learn how to embrace and engage singles. And before we can reach the world, we have to learn how to love the singles that we currently have. Amen. We have to learn how to love the singles that are in our house. Now, a study also said that the majority of singles who are not active are committed to a church are seeking meaning and purpose in life. And we all know that it's in Christ we find our true purpose in life. So if we make singleness as a curse, right, as opposed to a blessing, you have a lot of people who are looking for purpose and meaning outside of the church, outside of God, but it's in the body of Christ, it's in church, it's in a relational spiritual family where we learn who we are, we learn our identity in Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. One in five singles who are not active uh, in or committed to a church are interested in going to have the support during difficult times. Singles want support, they want to be engaged, they want to be embraced, however, uh, 20% would be motivated to go to church if they knew that anyone would be welcome apart from just uh, married people. So there is this stigma that some singles don't feel like church is for them because church, as it should, has an emphasis, highlights marriage, but God is bigger than marriage. The goal is not marriage. The goal is oneness with Jesus. It's oneness in Jesus in my singleness that I come into wholeness. It's oneness in Jesus in my marriage that God uses that to, to perfect me. But we have often treated marriage as the great sanctifier. When Jesus, the blood of Jesus is the great sanctifier. It's not marriage that sanctifies me. Jesus sanctifies me. Amen. It's not marriage that makes me whole. Jesus makes me whole. It's not marriage that makes me happy. Jesus makes me happy. I'm not looking for a soulmate because the lover of my soul who died for my soul, Jesus is my soulmate. Oh, let me not preach because we got it. We got it. We got to let the panels have a, have a chance, the panelists. So before Pastor Jesse uh, asks some fun questions, I'm going to ask the panelists to introduce themselves and then let us know something interesting about yourself. I'm going to start with, uh, with Desiree. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dang, I was she about was to throw Renato under the bus. <laughs> I, I'm Desiree. Um, I don't know what else to say other than I think one of the probably most interesting things related to this topic is I've had quite a few dating misadventures, to say the least. And uh, I actually ended up writing a blog on a lot of it. So if you're curious, whether you're single or married and you want to be entertained with like what the dating world looks like right now, you can check out my blog. It's, it's, it's very like watching, entertaining. It's, it's very like watching a really funny car wreck. <laughs> So feel free to check that out. And I'm Gigi. Um, I'm going to keep it more on the lighthearted end. My IG handle is, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm a twin. Just a fun fact about me. I have a twin brother. He's a lot taller than I am. I'm little, but there it is. What's up, y'all? I'm David. Uh, single as a Pringle. Um, <laughs> and uh, are you ready to mingle? No. <laughs> Possibly. 
with accountability. Uh, and I see the, I'm a black belt with three stripes. No one knows that. We skip. Is it me? I'm Riley, and um, I had to just swallow my gum because I forgot. So, fun fact. I heard it stays in your stomach for a long time. Well, actually, it's stuck right here right now, so. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, Renato, and this is for my family that's probably watching, probably just my mom and my aunt. Uh, Peruvian food. If you've never tried Peruvian food, yes. one of the best, if not the best, food out there. There you go. Hi, I'm Angela Cash, no relation to Johnny. I know people wonder, but no, not that I'm aware of. Um, I'm the older person of the group, so I represent the um, <clears throat> 50 and up crowd. Thank you very much. I wouldn't have guessed that. She just put that right out there. That's awesome. All right, we got some fun questions to start off the morning. Uh, my first question is for the fellas. Here we go. So do you have a problem dating women who make more than you? Do you have a problem? Now, we don't got to go deep, okay? So just give us, like, your first impression of that question. I heard there was already some social media discussions happening, uh, but give us your first impression of that question. Do you have a problem dating women who make more than you? I'm going to start this off. I say absolutely not. Uh, because that's just going to help us get to our, our goals faster, financial stability faster, so that we can just stop working and do family things and, you know, things that we want to do. Time. You can't ever get time back, so. David just wants a sugar mama. Just face it. <laughs> He's not denying it. He's <laughs> can I follow up real quick? Because um, I was thinking about this, and uh, my initial first answer is No but it's more of the, the spending habit. You can have a six-figure income, but if you got six-figure spending habits, that's a bad thing. So even with debt, I know we're big on the debt. Uh, so income to debt ratio. If your debt has more, you know, that might be an issue for me. Not a deal breaker, but definitely, yeah. No problem at all. <laughs> I'm good. These 2020 men, you guys are like, you know, advanced, progressive. Uh, okay, and, and ladies, to you, do you have a problem with men who make less than you. <laughs> no. I, I, I think, here's the thing though, no. But if someone isn't driven, they don't have vision for what's tomorrow, they're waking up every single day and just doing the same old routine, that's a problem for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the same. It's, it's, a, it's a no, but it really just depends on who you are and what you're doing with your life. I grew up in ministry my entire life, and I grew up on the mission field where you don't make money. Like, you just don't. And so money was never, like, even a factor in that. But it's all about are you following your passion? Are you following your purpose? Are you living out your life with intentionality and with drive? And that's really what it's about. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> No, in all seriousness, I, I thought about that because, I mean, I'm, I'm an attorney, and um, I would prefer the person have character and also have an interest in, um, you know, maybe a different stream of income, you know, because I think in partnership that you can uh, do more together, but I'm not opposed to it. I just don't want a, someone wanting me to be their sugar mama, that's all. <laughs> Great, those are awesome answers. Okay, now ladies, we'll start with you. Do men always have to make the first move? Ooh. 
No, but it's really hot when they do. <laughs> no, but real talk. Um, I think there, there is a lot of, um, I think what's really awesome is intentionality. And I had, a, I had a pastor in college who said, you know, ladies, even if you want the man to be conducting the train, leading your relationship, somebody still has to sell tickets for people to get on the train. And so sometimes as a girl, it's about getting yourself out there, letting them know you're there. I personally, I don't do well with playing games. So if I have a thought or a feeling, I'm going to say it. I might wait for the right time to say it, but I'm gonna say it. I'm not gonna play these games and just pretend that I have this secret hidden love waiting for you to come and find me. It's not that serious. Just be honest, be open, be real. It, and guys, whenever you pick up the ball, be intentional from that point on. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter about who opens the door first, who puts it out there first, but at whatever point, you decide to come to the table, be intentional with that. Yeah, I think there's so much, I, you have a, just a bunch of different opinions when it comes to this question. Um, I mean, I think there's so much beauty in being pursued and being seen and being chosen. But again, I don't think there's nothing wrong with shooting your shot. You shoot your shot, ball's in their court, they throw it back, it's a deal. If they don't throw it back, keep it moving. Yes, so for the older crowd, shooting your shot, I had to ask Desiree, what does that mean, shooting your shot? <laughs> Asking a man out first? So I personally didn't know what that meant. But um, I'm traditional, I do. I like the man making the first move. Um, I'm shy sometimes, so no, I do. I appreciate uh, that pursuit. That's good, okay. So for the guys, uh, how do you feel about ladies making the first move? I'm comfortable with it, I think. <laughs> this is turning into a yeah, dating I'm show. I, I just feel like <laughs> if somebody, if it shows some strength if a woman is confident enough to, to put herself out there. Um, and if a guy is insecure about that, he's going to be insecure later in the relationship with some of, her, some of her strength that she brings to the table. And so, in my opinion, would I prefer to be the pursuer? But if it happens, there's nothing unattractive about that. I'm going to tend to agree with him. Uh, I would just add that if you're going to shoot your shot, um, be prepared. Either know, ask questions beforehand, like, you know, is that the type of person that's going to accept me or, or like me or something like that? You just got to use wisdom sometimes. Uh, but uh, I would say also, if you're going to shoot your shot, let the guy pursue you after that. Um, don't... Uh, don't get your own rebound. There you go. <laughs> So that's my thoughts. Renato agrees. All right, so we're going to move on to the serious questions. Uh, you guys don't have to each answer every serious question, but Pastor Damien's going to uh, take from here. Yeah, so let's, let's get a little bit serious. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, singleness is not uh, an anomaly or a problem to be fixed, but it's a gift to be embraced. So my question to you guys um, as you're encouraging other singles and, and just informing us different ways how to do it well, uh, how have you embraced singleness and how has it helped you grow in your relationship with God and other people? I think fully embrace it. I mean, I'll, I'll uh, be a little vulnerable. You know, my, my most serious relationship in college was not the most healthiest, right? So I learned a lot from that experience and it took me some time to to heal and to, you know, 
get some wisdom, get some, uh, some truth, right? Reveal some, you know, deal with the insecurities that I had. So, and going back to that, I think that the stigma of, you know, being signal, single and having a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends are married, they have kids, They're, they've already established their families and seen that it kind of, you know, in some ways messed me up, I had my moments. But, you know, as I kind of discovered, you know, if I desire to be married, I want a healthy marriage. So, in order to get there, I want to be a healthy individual. So, what does that mean? I need to learn some of my strengths, right? How can I take some risks? How can I get my finances in order, right? So, I fully embrace it because I understand that being married is a responsibility and it's a different capacity, yeah. right? So why not just take advantage of the capacity that I have now and really enjoy it? Because I might not get the season back when I, you know, when I get married, so. See, I'm hesitant to answer because I can hear the crowd going, oh my God, she's 50 and not married yet. Is that going to happen to me? So I hear that sometimes, you know, especially for people that are in their 20s and 30s, they're thinking like, God, I don't want to be 50 and be single. You know, I never, came, I never thought I would be the poster child for singleness. I did not set out to do that. But I can honestly say that through the years, God has been so gracious to me and so kind to me because um, he's used that time to bring healing in my life, um, restoration in my life, um, also me coming into my own about knowing who I am. You know, there was a time where because I pursued single, because I pursued that relationship and thought that that was my identity, I mean, it was idolatry. And so when that one relationship that I had um, that I thought was going to lead to marriage ended, um, I was so broken that I had nothing, I had to turn to the Lord. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit had spoke to me was, I want you to start investing in the relationships you already have. And so I named a number of people on my hand of like who I could um, start being intentional about and, be, and building relationship with. And three of them are right there. And I can say they are my tribe and where I can be vulnerable and honest with and uh, find new things that I like to do. I never knew that I like to hike. I'm a foodie. Um, I like to have fun. You know, I got to travel the world. I got to buy a home. I mean, so, I mean, I don't sit here today as a broken individual. I can truly say what you said before about being single, separate, and unique. I walk in that authority and I walk in that joy. But so it's, so it's different. So I come from a different perspective of telling people that are in their 20s and they're like, oh, I can't wait to be married. And that's a good thing. And it's still a desire. But understanding that, you know, God delights in the uniqueness of who you are and become and get that, that authority to walk in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That deserves a clap. Come on. Yeah, I think for me, I know what it's like to be young and have just this desire. I mean, you grow up in the church, your parents get married at 21, at 20 years old, and that's just the life you kind of envision for yourself. You get in a relationship super young, high school relationship, you fall in love, and you're like, this is it, this is it, I found the one. Um, and, you know, for me, my personal experience, if I'm being completely vulnerable with you all, because I think it's such an important thing that I get to share as a part of my testimony, is I did, I thought I had found the one. I thought I had found the person that I was gonna spend the rest of my life with. You know, we did life together, we got engaged, and it ended up turning out that it just didn't work out. And for me, during that season of my life, while I was in this relationship, I thought I knew who I was. But I had formed my entire identity around this individual. I had chosen to forfeit pieces and parts of myself um, because I was so afraid of just being me. I was so afraid of allowing myself to 
be the person that God had chosen me to be, and in that, I lost myself, I mean completely. Um, during that time, just even being unhealthy, which I think is so important as singles right now to really invest in, in you, um, being unhealthy, you know, walking through real life stuff that really led to me being depressed and that also being, you know, a part of the reason why that relationship, not all of it, but part of the reason why that relationship just didn't work out. Completely broken individual thinking that marriage is going to fix something and it didn't. And I will never forget the day that I was just driving home and I was just driving and I really felt the Lord just speak over and it had been years after this had happened um, and I really felt the Lord say, I did that. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what are we talking about here? Like, what? What did you do? And I really felt the Lord again say, I did that. I had to break you before you destroyed yourself. And that to me just impacted my entire way of just moving forward and how I wanted to pursue this next season. I get it. Sometimes it's like, we're tired of doing life alone. We just want to come home to someone. We want to have someone that we get to call our best friend. But at the same time, I think it's so important to take the season of singleness for what it is and see the treasure, the true treasure in it, because there is. And for many of you, like, I know sometimes this is like what you don't want to hear, but there is so much treasure in your singleness. And I think a huge part of that is really discovering who you are, your identity, um, just who you, like, just the passions and the callings that God has just has stirred up in you since you were a little girl, little boy, um, really come to light in this season if you fully allow God to just say, you know what, God, this is my life, do whatever you want, and just sit back and watch God do what God does best. Couple drop mic moments. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that I've learned um, in my, my journey, and especially in my premarital counseling, was that marriage is not just about two lives coming together, but it's the collisions of two histories coming together. So if you don't heal your history, you won't have a healthy future with whoever you're trying to pursue. And I believe as singles, we have a huge, or not we, but some of you guys, <laughs> I believe as singles, uh, you have an incredible opportunity to heal, to go through a self-discovery process, to be fully devoted to the Lord. But I believe singleness, it's impossible to be healthy and successful as a single without being committed to God. Um, we see in Genesis that God, in the beginning, he's creating a bunch of stuff, and he said, this is good, this is good, this is good. And the only time that he says something is not good is when he said it's not good to be alone. But oftentimes we think being alone re uh, refers to romantic not being alone. But I believe it's just not good to be alone. In other words, God can still fulfill the needs of a single through non-romantic relationships, through our tribe, through our friends, uh, so forth and so on. I believe it's so important to encounter love on a non-romantic level before we start trying to pursue love on a romantic level. Um, so I, I, perfect segue into my next question. Um, and I'm assuming you all have the desire to be married. If you have a desire to be married, how do you pursue that desire without making dating or relationship an idol? I think we make something an idol when we're pursuing it from a place of a void, like where we're trying to fill something. And I'm just, it, it reminds me, because life is really lived in tension. All throughout scripture is really, there's, there's moments of great tension. And I think the, the best worship um, we see always comes in a moment of tension between what I want, but what my reality is. What I'm praying for, but where I'm at right now. If, if we look at um, uh, when Lazarus dies, there's Mary and Martha who are crying. And they're saying, God, my brother's dead. It's been four days. Where have you been? 
that's one end of the, of the spectrum. On the other end, you're still the son of God, and I still believe you can do this. I still believe you can raise him from the dead. And there's just something beautiful that happens in this great tension. I have a desire to be married, but the reality is I'm still single. And so for me, it's, I just use it as an, as an opportunity to step into a, a new place of worship. Yeah. Worship often always begins with need. Like we've got some, something, a need has to bring us to our knees at some point. And um, I just think there's so, we have a, an, a, a, I guess an opportunity. We can either be bitter or we can come to the Lord in it. And there's a story in first Samuel chapter 30 where David and his men are fighting and while they're gone, um, the Amorites come in and they, they seize the land, take the, they kidnap the kids and all the things of Israel. So they come back and it's a barren land. It's abandoned. Everything is gone. And it's just incredible to read. There's a moment where it says that the, the Israelite men become bitter. The next verse says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. And I think that there's something special and, and we all have something in our lives, whether that we're praying or believing for, for us, it's probably a spouse. It's an incredible opportunity for us to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. To say, God, I don't have the answer, but I'm choosing to strengthen myself in you. And so for me, it becomes an idol when I don't turn to God in it. But if I turn to him in it, he fuels me. My identity then becomes found in him and not a relationship. And so it's just kind of how you respond, in my opinion. Yeah, sorry. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I think, and full disclaimer here, like, if you feel some kind of way because of what I'm about to say, like, just, I just encourage you to sit in it because I'm not, I'm not sharing anything that I haven't personally walked through. Um, and so, you know, it's just the little things like you come to church and every sermon, you know, Pastor Dean speaks about, you know, stretch out your tents and you're like, oh yes, like this is a year that I'm going to get married or, you know, we hear the harvest and you immediately just like shift it towards like the harvest. Like, yes, like I've been sowing in tears for my husband. I've been like praying over and, you know, it's like, it just becomes everything for you with, you know, just coming to church, the worship songs, the, you know, the, the sermons that you're trying to just like cater towards your own personal desire and need. And you're kind of just like, it just becomes your everything where there's no room for God to just even speak over, you know, what he's doing in your workspace, what he's doing with your family, with your friends. And you miss those special moments. And then you look back at the end of the year and you say, I was so convinced. I I thought that God was going to bless me with marriage this year. And here I am still single. And we fail to even acknowledge the fact that you got a promotion, you got a new job, you, you know, you had breakthrough in your family. And I think that's like one of the areas that we have to acknowledge too, like how much are we allowing this to control our lives? How much are we allowing this to not just hear me out too, like getting married, I feel like is also a God given gift that we get to cherish and we get to look forward to as believers. Um, but there's also so much beauty in trusting the timing of your dreams to God. And when we come and we say, God, like, okay, this is it. Like, I'm fully going to surrender to you. And yet there's this thought in the back of our minds where we're like, I'm surrendering because if I surrender, I'm going to get something in return. And that's still, we're still falling under the same mentality of, 
I'm giving so I can get, but that's not full surrender because that's not what surrender means. Surrender means you're literally letting go of everything, not knowing what's gonna come after that, not knowing if you're gonna get that in return or not knowing if you're gonna get that, but also understanding that even when we look back at the year and we see we're still single, also not falling into the lie of disappointment and feeling like, God, you failed me, because that's not true either. And we have to also be careful of like, what is God actually speaking over this year? What is God actually like saying about my season of singleness and how am I supposed to store that well? I think that's a word for everybody, right? Single, married, what the context that you're bringing into your worship, is it worshiping God or waiting for him to answer the question? So I think that's a perfect example of how singles can minister to every person. We all have similar uh, struggles, and I just think that that word is for everybody in this room. That's very good. I think one of the things that I try to and do a heart check on if something is an idol in my life is if God doesn't give it to me, am I willing to walk away? If God never fulfills that desire, has that been my God or has God been my God? I, I remember in college, I was talking to a professor and, or my pastor at the time, and I was really struggling with this idea of, um, you know, what if God wasn't a good God? What if God was, and I was like, I don't know that I could serve him if he was not God, uh, if he was not good and loving and kind and all of this. And my pastor goes, you know, in the Bible, they didn't have that same mentality. It was a luxury and a beautiful thing that the God that we serve is a good God, that he desires to give good gifts to his children. But you serve God because he is God. And there's a lot of moments in our lives when I think we hold on to things that we, we make those things God in our life, whether that is marriage that you, you know, somebody at a conference sometime prophesied over you that you were going to be married or that you're going to have children or that you're going to have this career. If that never comes for you, will you still be believing God for the good things and for the promises? And if you are still believing him, then God is your God. If you decide that that's the deal breaker for you about whether or not you are going to love, love him and serve him, then that is your idol. And that's something I've had to heart check myself multiple times where I'm like, is this something that's become an idol in my life? If God doesn't give it to me, am I willing to walk away? If so, then I need to go get right with Jesus because that's, that's my priorities out of whack. All right, those are some awesome questions. Um, I, I've been ministered to, so good job, guys. Um, simple question, but I, I want to go a little bit, dig a little bit deeper. We kind of already answered this, but I think that there's some more meat to this. And in your opinion, do you think it is important to have healthy finances as a single? Yes, next question. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I would say yes. Um, if you can manage your finances in your single season, that's going to tell me, at least in my opinion, how you're going to manage finances in your marriage. And as a single, this is your time to, you know, get on top of all that. You have the time, whereas, you know, Pastor Damon, he has three children. He has to do this job and this. So he might not have time to go out and make some extra money to do something to pay off debts. And so I, in my opinion, I feel that uh, if, as singles, if you can be debt-free, um, because of the time and resources that you have available. And we, we really have no excuse uh, as far as 
well, I can't get a job. I can't. They got DoorDash. They got, uh, I forgot what the other ones were, uh, Uber Eats, all those. There's, there's opportunities for you to go make some money so that you can pay down your debt. Also, you know, just from research, and I, I think I was listening to, he's a pastor, Damien, at uh, Don't Make Love. I think, you know, a lot of marriages dissolve because of finances. So why add a problem if you can take, take it away right now as a single? And if you can steward your finances now, I think that, can, that goes in every area of your life. If you're disciplined in your finances, you'll be disciplined in other areas. Am I going to, someone asked me this question of, well, what if you meet the girl of your dreams and she has $250,000 in debt? We're gonna pump the brakes, first of all, and uh, we're gonna work on a plan uh, <laughs> because you know, you're just incurring someone else's debt. It may, they may not be as responsible as you, as you think. So if they have a, hey, here's a 10-step program for you to do this, um, and you were still on step one and it's been two years, I'm like, you're really not that serious. But if you're at step six now, I'm like, okay, you know, let, let me help you with that. So for all my singles, if you guys can pick up this book by Dave Ramsey, Total Money Makeover, um, I'm telling you right now, uh, it changed my life back in 2010, and I've been debt-free ever since, and I've been encouraging people to become debt-free. Um, Renato is, uh, you know, it, copy success. If you can copy success and put it in your way, why not? And so Renato, he's on target. Uh, you see things start to happen in your life uh, by being debt-free that you don't have to worry about all these extra expenses that come. And listen, you can start saving for things. Uh, if you want to go on vacation, start a vacation fund. You know, you want a wedding, start a wedding fund. So that when it comes to the wedding day, you're not trying to scramble and ask parents for money and borrow. So thinking ahead, uh, like Gigi said, you know, having a plan for your future, you know, your vision. So. That's my response. Yeah, I'll, I'll add something to that. I think um, when it comes to dating, people have a narcissistic approach. In other words, they know what they want, but they don't know what they offer. And I think it's super important to come in as an asset and not a, not a liability. And when it comes to money, uh, the Bible says where your treasure is, your heart is also. So stewardship is a principle that is super important in marriage. Because when it comes to money, you can either waste it, spend it, or invest it. And the way you waste, spend, or invest money, that could be an indicator of how you may waste, spend, or invest your life. So it becomes a stewardship uh, uh, challenge. So for me, I know Stacy and I, that was something that was super important to us. I had a little bit more debt, so I'm, as in the dating process, I wasn't like, hey, let me get married, and then we're gonna, we're gonna fix this together, we're gonna be one. No, I, I was like, let me handle this while we're dating. It's not, it's not a problem I'm gonna push off for marriage. It's a problem I'm gonna solve while I'm a single. Um, and it's super important. And I, you know, I, I know quite a few guys that has told me I, she was beautiful, but she couldn't handle her, her finances well. She didn't steward her finances well. And on the other end, I've seen a lot of uh, women who was like, he was a good looking guy, he, he had it all together, but he was just very uh, laxed in his spending. Because again, self-control is a muscle that you can learn. Discipline is a muscle you can learn when it comes to finances, that that muscle is gonna to need to be flexed when you're married as well. And I just wanna add one thing, because Damien brought it up, is there's, there's two different types of debts. I'm not gonna get a financial class, but if you, if you find the one and she's $200,000 in debt, is she $200,000 debt because she's become a doctor and in three years she's making that type of money to pay that debt off? 
or is she $200,000 debt because she buys clothes and, and cars and everything and then continues that, that uh, progress on that? So, yeah, I think that's the reason why I like this question because a lot of times we like to separate finances from our spiritual journey. But it's, they're, they're not separate, they're together. Uh, when we're a good steward, when we're a good disciple, that means that we're discipling, uh, being, following Jesus in every area of, our, area of our life. And so if you're pursuing a, a dream, like you're talking about a doctor or maybe a lawyer, whatever that might be, that is a different situation than you're just spending all your money all over the place, single or married, divorced or not. Like that is an issue of discipleship. And I think you said something, one of you, your Damon said something super important is that, um, it's, it's a matter of, of if, is that person able to be uh, disciplined? Um, yeah, I don't want to put my partner on blast, uh, but um, uh, yeah, but I will. Hold on. He's not in here, so he's in the family room. Um, I am naturally more disciplined than him. Uh, so when we got married, that was reflected in our finances, Okay. But the, what, what I knew about Adam is that he was able to get himself to a place where he was submitting to what God wanted. He was willing to make the work that it took to get us in a right place. And he wasn't afraid of me coming in and sharing my discipline with him. Does that make sense? So it's a, it's a partnership journey. It's where your heart is, you know, and, and I'll say this too. Um, I became a believer in high school. I don't have a family that is, loves the Lord. Still don't. They don't even understand what this whole church thing is. Um, and if I were to tell them that I have tithed ever since I was in high school, they would be like, what? <laughs> where did you put your money? Um, but that has been a discipline since high school. Someone in the church told me that you should tithe. Uh, probably an usher looking at me, you know, like, put your money in the thing, you know? Um, but I have tithed since high school, and I have never wanted for something that I needed. And so that was a huge thing. And I, and I got to say that to single or married, um, if you are struggling in your finances and you're trying to like gain ground and you're ha having a hard time figuring out how to do that, the number one thing that you should start doing is to tithe. And I don't say that as the person that manages the finances at Real Life Church. I say that as a person who has, can testify to what God has done over and over again. Single, starting a business, being in ministry, like all the different scenarios, tithing has lended to our financial success that we experience in our life. So I would just encourage you that um, if you're trying to get ground and you're thinking, maybe you're a little bit down, like I've got some debt. Um, what am I going to do? Am I, am I marriage material? Um, yes, you still are marriage material, but first be a disciple of Jesus. And out of that, the abundance of what he offers you, you'll be able to give that to whoever's, you know, coming. And then I would say also, we have people in this church, Dave, Renato, uh, Ron Kawa, they are experts in the Dave Ramsey uh, material. We've had classes in the past tools to put in your tool book, tool belt. Don't do this alone. Um, you can have people with you. So wow. yeah. come on. That was good. Pastor Jesse. Yep. Cool. So I don't know why I always get the sex questions. <laughs> you just like to say it. You just like to say the word. Like you just like to put it out there. <laughs> um, well, we know I've said this before that, you know, often the world perverts sex. The church has shamed it, but in the kingdom of God, it's celebrated. And sex is to be celebrated, but it's also, you, you need parameters. Uh, passion needs parameters. Intimacy needs responsibility. So 
when it comes to uh, sex, you know, we're, we're sexual creatures. God created us uh, to be sexual beings and fulfill that desire in the context of marriage and covenant. So when it comes to dating, um, super important to have some healthy boundaries. Uh, so what are some healthy boundaries in dating, especially when it comes to sexual boundaries? How far is too far? Well, I want to speak to boundaries in general. I think a lot of the times the idea of boundaries is it's something to keep people out. It's a wall, it's a barbed wire. Uh, I've been doing a lot of work myself on boundaries and one of the things that I've learned is that boundaries is like building a fence around your yard. And boundaries says, if you want to be in my life, you come in through the gate. You don't hop the fence, you don't knock it down, you don't burn it down. You are going to, if you want to love me, if, if, if my yard is sex, then you're going to come in through the marriage door. We're not, you're not coming in otherwise. Like, and so that, that can be a boundary. Um, and there's a lot more to it than that. But I think like, that's where you start, is figuring out what does loving you look like? And from, from beginning to start, from beginning to end, don't try and figure out what your boundaries, where they lie when you are in the middle of it. Don't try and figure out how you want to do dating when you're right in the thick of it. Think through that ahead of time. How do I want somebody to come into my life? Where do I want to place the boundaries, the fences, and the gates to come into my life? Not just in relating to sex and boundaries in that sense, but in relation to dating me. How do I want you to come into my life? And if somebody comes into your life and they're trying to hop the fence, you can say, no, like if you want to be a part of my life, you go in through the gate. And then the other thing that I would say is um, pornography is like setting fires dangerously close to your own fence line. And I think of lust a lot similar to anger. It's something that stews under the surface and what you feed that with is going to later explode somewhere else. If you want to have control, and I'm not talking to just the guys because my age group is for women the highest users of pornography for women. Watch what you are putting in your mind. I have had to w stop watching certain shows that I loved because I was like, oh, you know what? Nope, this, is, this has me setting fires really close to my property line. And that is going to allow somebody to come in in a way that I never wanted them to come in the first place. So I would encourage you to start there. Boundaries start with yourself. Don't set fires in your own yard. Amen. I would just say accountability. Um, Get some accountability partners if you're going to get into a, when you're in a relationship. That way, you can and accountability. Pastor David can tell it better than I can because he he gave a great analogy. But accountability isn't after something happens, then you call your accountability partner and be like, "All right, listen, I need prayer. I need I messed up." You know, that's confession. Right, that's it's confession. confession. That ain't you accountability. Go. That's confession. So it's the thought of man, I really want, um, I really want to, I'm about to go here, and then you talk to your accountability partner. And they're able to give you something and help you through that, that process. Um, I think that's going to be beneficial to you. But if it's afterwards, it's just confession. So just know accountability and community. Community helps. You know, you, you don't feel you're not in a lonely place when you're with community. Once you get in that lonely place with that one person, uh, you know, you never know what can happen.
but also uh, for, for men or, and women, if a man can wait and hold out, it's going to kind of show you where he's going to be the rest of your relationship. If he's disciplined in this area, when you guys are married, I'm not saying anything can happen. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But it, this is kind of like a, what's the word I want to say? Uh, it is self-control, but it's like a parameter, I, I would say, to, to know like, okay, this guy really cares about me that he's waiting and he's honoring me in this season until we're married and so forth. So just know that. I'll just go off of what, what you said. I'm somebody who grew up in the church, heavily involved in ministry, worked at a church, and I still uh, made some mistakes. Um, I crossed lines, and it's a very dangerous thing, not only for myself, but for, for the woman involved as well, um, because you're allowing the physical connection to grow beyond the level of the commitment in the relationship. And anytime that happens, somebody's bound to be hurt. Somebody's bound to be left down, uh, let down. And you talked about community and accountability. And I just want to challenge the guys that you, you touched on it, but it's so much more than just, hey, man, we're hanging out tonight. Be praying. Like, <laughs> like be praying for me. Because us guys, we don't do it very well. We don't do vulnerability well. We have a culture that kind of blocks that from us, that says that's, that's weakness. Um, but we've got to learn to be vulnerable way before temptation comes. And I've found that as I've grown in my process of making some terrible decisions, that the real um, key was vulnerability and community, but not on the level of like, hey, small group, how you guys doing this week? It's got to be like, I have a guy or a group of guys in my life that know when I wake up in the morning, hey man, I don't know what it is. I'm just feeling a little bit off. I'm feeling a little bit foggy. My, that's vulnerability. That's, that's, and I, I listen to a podcast that says there's a difference between transparency and vulnerability. Guys are good at transparency. This is what I messed up at. I'm a wreck. Help me out. Vulnerability is, I made this decision because I was actually feeling this. I was feeling that, you know what I mean? And when I have that connection with people, I can guard my purity on a whole nother level. Last part, and I would just say this, there's a scripture in, uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Look at our culture right now, Christian culture, the leaders, the disappointments that have been going on in the past couple months, that's not an isolated incident because they made one bad decision. What I'm saying, men and women, is that we have an opportunity right now in our singleness to, it's not just about us. It's not just about our marriage. It's about the churches that we'll lead. It's about the businesses that we're going to lead. It's about the families that we'll lead. And I can make decisions right now to steward those relationships and those people in the future. And so I don't see it as just, I'm, I'm choosing to be pure because of my marriage. I'm choosing that, but plus realizing that our, our nation, our country needs strong leaders who are genuine, who, who are vulnerable, and who are going to walk in truth. We actually have a couple more questions, but for the sake of time, because uh, you guys are so awesome, we could go on forever. Um, maybe we'll have to do this again, like maybe podcast format uh, for sure. Pastor Dean says yes. The boss says yes. 
Um, but uh, I want to just touch on real quick, uh, if you could give a short answer, um, two things. Um, how can the church help singles? And how can singles help the church? Two-part question. If you can simplify it really quick, I think this is super important for us to hear. Uh, because it's not just singles are a separate group. Pastor Damien did a very good job talking about that. But they are one of us. And so how do we serve singles and how do singles serve the church? I think the biggest thing that I would say is invite singles to your table. Um, I have lived most of my life in Pastor Jesse's community where I have, you know, hung out on their couch. I've watched their kids. I've, it's never been this thing where I only get to hang out with couples because I'm a couple, but that's a lot of what I see in our church is I see, I do see wonderful mentorship of older married couples with younger married couples. And I love that. And that's so needed. But then it's like, okay, well then singles go hang out by yourselves in the corner, please. <laughs> and, and I would just say like, be a, be, in, invite people to be part of your village. You know, we talk about it takes a village. I am part of a lot of little villages of people that are single, that people that are married, I'm part of their community. And I learn from them without it having to be like this official thing where I'm like, you're mentoring me because I'm going through the same thing as you went through. Just, just do life with people. You know, when holidays come around, like invite somebody to your Easter dinner or, you know, things like that. And as much as, you know, this is actually more towards the singles, when people tell you it's okay, you're gonna find the one, or you know what, it'll happen when you least expect it, or all of the trite things, just smile. <laughs> don't worry about it, it doesn't mean anything. But be a, don't use those things as your excuse to not be a part. Because I think that those things have often been the excuses that we use to not be plugged into church because it's like this idea of if I'm not pursuing marriage, if I'm not interested in getting married, or if I don't want to talk about that with strangers I barely know, then I can't be a part of the church. And I would tell you that's definitely, definitely not the truth. Be, get plugged in, be a part of a village, volunteer. Uh, one of our first Visioneer Awards ceremony, I got an award for most available volunteer, and I jokingly said that that was most single volunteer because <laughs> that's where you're available. And I was there a lot at the church. And so get plugged in. Find out where you can get plugged in, and you will get plugged into those villages and sitting at those tables with people where you get to make connection and community. Yeah, I, sh I shared this with the young adult leadership team this past week, but when it comes to young adult ministry, this is a fairly new kind of world. Um, I mean, I grew up in church and there was no such thing as young adults. You were either a part of the youth ministry or you're a part of the adult and men group. And so this is just fairly new, I think, for young adults when it comes to serving the church. Um, it's just kind of, okay, well, there's like these like corporate, maybe young adult gatherings. We're going to show up, do worship, you know, hear the sermon, and then we're going to just peace out. Um, and I don't know how serving in the church became so overrated or just uncool, but it's just such a great way to connect. I think here at Real Life, we are a multicultural and just, you have ages from all ranges, from, you know, the cradle to the grave. And sorry, that kind of sounded bad. <laughs> Sound like an album cover. Sorry. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but I think it's just so awesome that, you know, hey, like, let's partner up, let's be a part of the prayer team. But I think a lot of the times, too, young adults don't really understand their full potential when it comes to serving in the church. You know, we hear of mission trips. Mission trips are awesome. Get to travel the world for two weeks. However, what are we doing in our own backyards? You know, there's need here in Sacramento. There's need here in Atomas. You know, Real Life has an awesome opportunity for, you know, urban missions and just even food pantry opportunities. And just if you're, I think also millennials and I think Gen Z falls under, I guess, this category now too. Um, you know, we're so driven by social justice or, you know, just helping others. And I think this is a great way to be able to connect that, not just by saying it, posting on social media, of saying like, I'm so passionate about this, I wanna help with this by posting on my story, but actually doing the work. And I think with that too is, is just allowing you know, yourself to just be open. Um, and even you know, for those that are married, that have connections and have friends like, hey, I know so-and-so, actually you never know, you know, making that connection too, because it's a rough world out here too, so. Yeah, I just wanna, <clears throat> say that uh, I feel really blessed to be here in real life. You know, I, I wasn't raised in church, so to see a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church, um, and there's a lot of amazing couples here. So continue to be examples to me, to see what it means to be a healthy couple, healthy father, mother. Um, and when it comes to, you know, how singles can maybe help the church, you know, ask for our thoughts. Dame always, you know, he's always asking for feedback. Hey, what do you think about this? How is that message, you know? And he's asking for my, he's causing me to think and give him my thoughts. And sometimes he takes them with him and, and I, I appreciate that, right? So continue to encourage me, affirm me, call me out. Um, but yeah, those are my thoughts. You know, and I just wanna, you know, thank Real Life Church because I mean, I was given an opportunity to serve on the board of directors as a single woman. You know, I remember being in the interview with Pastor Dean and Pastor Amy, and so that's a great opportunity, and that, you know, we're not an anomaly. We're not just like, something's wrong with us. What's wrong with your girl that you're not married? No, it's not that. It's just whatever the time, season, and purpose. And so I would say with even with singles, I mean, we have such a great opportunity to give to get out of ourselves, get out of, you know, either selfishness or anything, but there's gifts and talents that God's placed in each one of us that we can impart and give, and even through our singleness or even in our brokenness, to bring usher in, you never know, to be that um, instrument of healing or opening someone's eyes up to vision and purpose. And so that's in everybody, you know, that's regardless of being single or married, you know, there's something that God has deposited in each person within this building to impart into other people's lives. And so that's what I would, would wanna leave you with. I would just say, uh, start off small. Um, if you're like, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to serve, you don't have to be the master usher. You can start off with just, hey, I, I just wanna say hi to people, or I don't wanna do anything in the church. I just wanna, you guys are giving away blankets, can I come help give away a blanket? Just start off small. And then as you build your trust level with the church, and you build your trust level with the leaders, you'll wanna do more, and then you'll encourage people to do more. But just start off small, and figure out what's good for you, and then move forward for that. But we have a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church, so there is no excuse to, uh, well, I'm, I'm not sure, because I'm not sure if they're gonna fit me. It's a melting pot here, so we're all gonna fit each other. Can we give our panel a big round of applause?
just want to touch on that last question. What can we do for singles as a church? And I, I think we've said it a lot here is that we can just accept them as one of our own. Uh, we cannot isolate them to a certain uh, sect of people. Uh, we can treat them as our brothers and sisters in Christ without fear, uh, without, um, you know, without gloves on. Um, they are people just like us. Even the fact that I'm saying that is, is awkward that I have to say that, right? Um, and I would say if you're a single in this house and, and you're experiencing hurt or pain, uh, maybe there's some things in your, in your history, in your past, I want to tell you that you are just like everybody else. We all go through things. We all have wounds. We all have things that we need healing from. And I want you to know that Real Life Church is invested in your healing. We want to see whole people, single or married, divorced or not, we want to see people that love Jesus with without um, any uh, guards. We want to see people that love Jesus and that will serve him with all of their heart, all of their mind, and all of their soul, that we can be one big family together. And I would say this too, is that, that singles have been a part of Real Life Church from our inception. One of the uh, uh, verses that we started this church with was Psalm 68.6. I'm actually going to start in verse 5. It says, he is the father to the fatherless. Defender of the widows, this is God, whose dwelling is holy. Verse 6, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in the sun-scorched land. And I, I think that the part about being single or not is that when we live a whole life toward God, when we understand that we are part of God's family, when you are a widow, when you are fatherless, an orphan, if you're feeling lonely, we're all feeling lonely. We all need to become part of, a part of God's family. And Real Life Church, if you're married, this is part of our um, purpose as RLC is to accept the lonely into the family. So what that takes is a little bit of intention, right? Um, I can't just say like, oh, the, the singles, they're, they're in this family. That's awesome. No, but each person here is unique and wonderful. And that means that I'm going to make space at my table for them. Okay? So adopt a single today. Okay? Uh, no matter their age, adopt a single today. Take them to lunch. Invite them over for dinner. Um, they're not scary. They don't bite. Um, I, I can testify. I've had many singles in my home. They clean up after themselves. Okay? So invite them into your lives, whatever you're doing, because that's what we are as a part of a family. And I know this, that when, when singles are fulfilled in their, in their life, as a person, like uh, when you're fulfilled in your relationships, uh, you spoke to this when you're talking about your tribe. When you're fulfilled in your relationships, not just sexually, but intimately with all types of love, you will have a better chance at having a successful dating relationship and a successful marriage because you've already met that intimacy place, okay? You've already been vulnerable, not just been transparent with people. And in that space, God is gonna make you a whole person. So when you show up, if that's even your thing, if you even wanna get married, no, no, like if you don't, that's fine too. But just showing up as a whole person is gonna make a difference in your community, in your marriage, in your church, wherever you are. So um, I wanna say this too to all of our singles. We have a special gift for you guys today. Um, if you text the word just singles, okay? Just the singles. Text the word RLC gift, one word, RLC gift to 97,000. 
you, um, we're going to treat you to a free Starbucks on us. Okay, valid for this week. Um, text RLC gift, one word to 97,000. You're going to get back uh, some instructions on how to use that. Go to Starbucks, get a drink. It's the most touchless gift that we could offer in this season. But we just want you to know that we value you. We love each and every one of you. You are integral to our church. We must have you to be the church that we're supposed to be. When you're a diverse church, it just doesn't just mean ethnically. It means in all different stages of life, in all areas. So uh, can we give it one big round of applause again to all the singles in the house? We appreciate you so much. Would you everybody stand together as we close in prayer? Jesus, we honor you. We give you praise. God, we give you praise as a single, as a married, as a divorce, whatever, as a widow, God, whatever our life station may be. Can we just give God praise for one sec, 10 seconds? We give you praise. We give you glory, Jesus. We lift your name high, God. You are the king of all kings. You are the Lord of all lords, God, and you reign in our hearts. And so I pray today, that is my prayer for every single in this room, that you would reign in their hearts supreme. Jesus, that you would be everything that they need to be, God, that you would bring people around them to be their tribe, to be their village, God. And I ask, Lord, that we would do everything that we need to do to make sure that the orphans, the widows, the fatherless, the singles, the people that may be a little extra lonely know that they are loved today with a deep abiding love, Jesus. We honor you. We give you praise and glory and thanks for all that you are, Jesus. We love you today. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Listen, we'll see you next week. We love you all. Pastor Dean. Amen. Again, thank you guys for joining us online and in person. Again, stay in touch with us on social media. We'll have constant updates about what's happening in real life when we're launching that second service. Details about children's ministry and also want to say March 7th is going to be our annual business meeting. So mark it down. And guys, we will see you next week. We're going to close out this series with a powerful testimony from a couple. It's called Love, come on, after letdowns. We'll see you next week. God bless y'all.